Welcome to another edition of the Lakers Locker Room and the first in-person podcast in two years. This is super exciting. We're in the beautiful New Sioux Student Center, 221 College Drive. For those who are watching the YouTube version, I am so excited to be back here, man. This is I haven't I haven't posted a lot. I'm not gonna lie. It's been a, it's been a minute I posted, but I'm back. I'm excited. We reloaded with some new gear. Shout out to Nusu. So I'm super excited to be doing this podcast. I'm your host Tejan Graham, and in this interview, man, I got a very special guest. Man, he needs no introduction. He's my boy Scarborough man, and now a U Sports winner for Community Service Award. We got Devin Dunat. How you doing today, man? I'm good. T. Thanks for having me on here. It's good to be good to be back on the podcast. Man, get a couple of these in every every few years. <laughs> it seems like. Yeah, you know, you know, the last time we did this podcast, remember it was COVID. It was what December twenty twenty. Yeah, we were we were on lockdown. We were we were on Zoom. I'm pretty sure the last time we, we I was on this podcast. It was so two years. A lot has happened in two years. Man, where do I begin, man? But we got a lot to talk about in this episode. Like mm-hmm. I said, thank you for taking the time to talk to me, man. I'm super excited to get this conversation going, bro. Yep. No worries, man. So let's get right into it, man. So you just your team just came off an amazing run to the OE Way Final Four. I think it was the I think it was the farthest your team has ever reached. Mm-hmm. You know, just talk to me about that season, man, looking back at it. Um it was uh it was it wasn't by any means an easy season, I think. I think what made it what made it so good is that we definitely faced a lot of uh, trials and tribulations going through it. And for a lot of the guys, it was their first year playing OUA soccer. Um, and it, it had a bit of everything. There was adversity. There's moments where we had disagreements with the coaching staff, um, as players and coaches, and but we managed to overcome all that um, and, and get some good results. And like anything with sports is you don't necessarily have to play well, but as long as you win, no one really matters. And I think for a lot of the our biggest moments in the season, we didn't necessarily play the best we were capable of, but we got the results. And when you get the results, anything is possible, right? And that's the beauty of any sport, really. Um, so, yeah, made it to the Final Four, and unfortunately our luck ran out there, and that was it. But it was still a great season, a historic season, and hopefully the program can build on this now and you know keep doing what they're doing, keep uh, playing the same way they're playing, and keep making uh, good progress in the next few years. I had your, your teammate Cedric in the first episode of this season. He was talking about when you guys were at training camp in terms of everything was gelling. You guys are getting ready to begin the season. At one point in the season, did you guys realize we might have something special here? Um, I also, I think from the very the very beginning, I think I've been here for six years now. Uh, so I've been on six, I've seen six different teams. And this is like the first year that we've had a really big, almost like personnel reset. We had 12 rookies coming in. And the best part about kids coming in, these young these young guys, you know, 17, 18, is that they're not scared of anything. You know, they've never played in this league before, so they don't know what to expect, but they don't fear it. And they come in with the mentality that we can win, whatever. So we had, you know, 12 guys coming in saying, yeah, we can win, we can do it, anything. And then you had the vets that are like, okay, let's be a little realistic, but still keep this positive energy. And we gelled right away in preseason. Um, you know, we were working hard together. And I think from the very beginning, we realized that we could have, we could have a very special, special year and the way our our schedule is set up. So for men's soccer, we used to, when I first started, we had 16 games, then that got cut down to 14. Then COVID season, it was 10, and now it's 12. So if you get a favorable run of games, you know, like we only had to play Carlton once, mm-hmm. UFT once, and Ryerson or, or TMU now once. Yeah. You know, we got we had uh, Queens twice, we had Laurentian twice, uh, RMC twice. Those are six games that are very winnable and that put you in a very good position, right? So I yeah. think this year everything aligned perfectly for us to have the year we did. Um, 
but by no means was it a fluke. We definitely worked hard, and all the boys put in a lot of effort and work to get to this point. For sure. Let's talk about the playoffs. So you guys opened the first round against um, U of T. That was a pretty. That was a pretty big of a dogfight of a win. But talk to me about that win. Um, again, like you said, it was it was it was a dogfight. There was the weather was cold and windy and rainy and sort of snow at certain points yeah. and you know. But I think part of any good team is having a character and having an identity, and we kind of embrace that. Northern, that northern weather, that northern climate is part of our identity, you know, that we live here. This is where we're from. We represent this place so we can play in the weather that's here. If it's if it's snowy, cold, and windy, we want that because other teams don't want that. So we embrace that. And, again, yeah. it was a dogfight. We, we we were a set-piece team. We scored most of our goals off set-pieces. We, we scored a goal. And then for the most of the game, we just defended. And, you know, we did get lucky that UFC, I think they hit the post, they hit the crossbar. Yeah. So they, you know, you, you could say they – they dominated the possession, but in the day we scored and they didn't. And you know that's that's all that matters in in, in playoff in playoff sports is, is winning. It doesn't matter how you do it. So we won that game. That the even for like the weather, the amount of fans that came out. Yeah, I was there. Like the, yeah. the, the environment, the passion, yeah. like it was. That was definitely a motivating factor that that got us over the line. Um, the fans and then just the the mentality of the team was so strong in that playoff run. Yeah, honestly, like, would you? I have a question too. Would you say that because it was you guys' last home game for the seniors, like yourself, Jack, and um, Tyrell, that it added an extra sense of motivation? Said this is the last time we're going to put on a Nipsing jersey on this field. Um, well, I mean, we weren't really thinking about that because, like, at that time, it, it, we didn't know if it was going to be our last home game because there would have been a, there was a really real possibility that if we went all the way, we could have hosted the championship here. And also, we thought that there was going to be a third place game, so we could have hosted that here as well depending on how results went. So we weren't really doing that. But I think um, I think definitely with myself, Tyrell and Jack, is one of the strongest leadership groups this program has had. And I think the the guys coming in the first and second years, they really respected us and appreciated us. And, um, you know, they you know they, they wanted to do that for uh, for us, at least. And that's what it felt like. So there was really good um, like energy. But no, we weren't we were never thinking this is our last game. It was like, all right, there's always one more, one more, one more, one more. That was our that was our mentality. Yeah, and let's go into the next game. So you guys then play Ontario Tech, the number one seed, and I was seeing all over Instagram, all you guys are posting about how people thought, oh, you guys are going to lose, your road's going to end here, and then you guys come out with an unbelievable upset. Just talk a bit about what the mentality was going into that game, hearing all the noise and hearing all the chatter saying that Ontario Tech's going to beat you guys. I think they had already beat you guys in the regular season. What was your team's mindset going into that game? Well, I think anyone, I think people that were saying that they were going to beat us, basing that purely off of Ontario Tech being the number one team in the Eastern Conference and the number fifth team in the in the country. But they don't have never actually watched the games. Uh, Ontario Tech, the way they did so well this season is playing as the underdog, as sitting back and hitting teams on the counter. Whereas when we played them, we sat back. We, we made them, we, we, we played their own game basically. Right. And, and um, when they were forced to come out and actually play, they didn't do very well. The When they beat us in regular season, the first game, you know, we had chances. They, you know, they had chances and they scored, and that's how the game goes. The second time we played them, we played most of our like our third string guys, and they had a lot of stars on, and they didn't really they beat us, but it was a close game. We should have tied it at the end. We had a goal called back, so we knew going to that game that, despite everyone was saying that, the Ontario Tech was a very beatable team, and we actually preferred to get Ontario Tech as opposed to TMU or Carleton. We wanted to get Ontario Tech, and we knew that we would get them. And once the game started, I mean. They got the, they got a penalty and it shouldn't have been a penalty. They scored, yeah. and the, the whole game we were just clinging on. We got a red card. Uh, you got a red card. We got a red card in like the last 15 minutes, 
the last 15 to 20 minutes. And oh, then we scored the equalizer in like the last minute of the game. Went to extra time. We clung on. Went to shootout. We missed two of our penalties in the shootout, but we stole one. So uh, everything was that night. Was just, everything was on our side. There's a lot of a lot of factors that went our way, and and that's how that's how that's how football goes. Sometimes it just sometimes it's your night, and that and on that night it was it was our night. I don't know. I, I was when I went to penalties. I was saying if we win, uh, you know, I'll have to start praying again because it, there's got to be some kind of divine intervention looking out for us if we somehow come out and win this game. But yeah, it was that was one of the most memorable nights for me. I think as a as an interesting athlete. Yeah, and honestly, too, when I was looking at the, the the game, like one of the goals I think they scored is kind of controversial. Cause I saw the guy was kind of stalling in terms of trying to. Uh, yeah, in their in their shootout. So basically, yeah. like in the in the, for a penalty, if you if you stop your run up, if you if you stop and then you you can't restart again, you have to you have to stop and shoot. You can't just stop and then re, and run again. Yeah. And he stopped his run up, and it's, it's a foul, so he wasn't allowed to retake it. And that eventually that was the the difference. Right? That was the difference, right? Yeah. Then then you know, Gabe made some good saves and. We had a uh, you know some guys that need to score their penalties score their penalties so we you know we had a, we had a first year guy step up and score his penalty perfectly like it was you know so it was good the the yeah it was incredible man I, I just saw like the the tape and I'm like I can just see how 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 emotional you guys were because it's like damn like because like I said all the chatter was saying oh you guys are gonna lose like it's gonna end here and to, to come out on top and the way you guys came out on top it's like man like you you couldn't help but like feel like happy for you guys to say yo you guys. Are accomplishing something amazing. Yeah, it was. It was. I remember, like after, like after I think Cedric scored the game winner, and we all running on the field. Yeah. And like I just remember sprinting off, taking off, and seeing people running towards me, and I'm thinking, oh crap! Like it's these are Ontario Tech fans coming on the field. Like it's about to go down. But it was. We had so many fans there, and they all like it was. I saw parents, like, fa- like players, a family, and friends. So we had like at least like 30, 40 fans like running to the field, and it's just like one big huddle, and it was like it was a very emotional night, and I mean. We talk about my my uh, second year when we beat Queens in playoffs, mm-hmm. two different games, two different moments. But like we didn't have, you know, our many of our own fans that, that in Kingston, but in, in Oshawa we did. So that makes it special. Um, so yeah, it was just it was an incredible night. But again, even after we won that game, so we were back in the bus. It's like okay, we got McMaster next. Like let's go because we yeah at that point we didn't we didn't we weren't scared of anybody you know. Yeah, and then let's talk about McMaster quickly. Cause I know it might be a touchy subject, but obviously. You guys, at that point, you guys know you beat Ontario Tech. You guys know you're one win away from clinching nationals. Um, it seemed, obviously, I heard that in the first half, you guys, I think it was tied. And I think you guys just eventually ran out of gas. But talk to me about that McMaster game. Um, it was, well, first of all, it was, like, unusually foggy. Like, you couldn't really see very far on the pitch. Um, but it was, yeah, it was it was, it was was a good game. I mean, they had chances. We had chances. Um, you know, and unfortunately, at the end of the day, like, they 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 take a they take a, a fluke shot and Gabe kind of loses it in the fog and it's hard to see and it goes in and once once one went in you know it's always an uphill battle from there especially against a team like McMaster who they are a very good team yeah you know don't you don't make it that far for no reason you know and um, again uh, one of our biggest problems throughout the years is that we couldn't score goals you know if you're relying on free kicks you know to score your goals and you know eventually you're gonna get found out right, right? And, and and that's what happened you know we got found out Tyrell had to come off injured. Uh, the coaching staff put in someone with very little experience, so it wasn't very fair to that player to come in right. to a game of that level, At not that having moment. played. It right. was a, it was a big moment, so right. you know it's maybe a mistake there, but uh, just it, it, but that that's soccer, man. It, it happens, and you know after the game was done, you kind of just look, look back and appreciate how far you've come, and I, and hopefully all the younger guys that you know, whether they played in that game or they they traveled or they didn't get to travel, they can see that experience and they and they want to get back to that point again and. 
and relive those feelings because you know winning those two first playoff games is impressive but if you were to win one more next year and you go to you know nationals yeah it'd be it'd be incredible so hopefully hopefully um they can do it again you know but it all depends on you know factors like recruiting and scheduling so we, how, we don't how much know. better guys get i mean i don't know who's coming in next year um uh like i don't really know any of the recruits coming in and hopefully i mean obviously you trust that they're going to be bringing in quality players right um but again like i said scheduling could be could be a thing you know having to go from the only having to play carlton and team you once to maybe having to play them twice that's four games that's a third year schedule right there yeah. those are very very hard games right um so yeah well, well it'd be cool for me to watch you know watch from wherever i am next year and see, just support the team and hopefully you know because I, I know these guys and i want these guys to do well so right Hopefully, you know, all of them can actually, you know, come out next year and do the same thing. Right. Because, you know, you do it once, uh, it's, uh, it's a fluke, they had a good year, but you do it two, three times in a row, then it's like, okay, these guys are here to stay, they're contenders, you know? Yeah. There's a difference between being a good team and being a good program. And I think right now we're on the verge of being a good program, but it's going to take uh, some building. Yeah. Before I move on, I kind of want to ask you this, this question, because... Um you were a captain for a long time, but I noticed that, and I think people listening to this podcast can appreciate this, this year your role was a lot different. And in terms of maybe having to take a step back, kind of talk a bit about that and what was your mindset realizing that you might have to take a step back this year? Well, I mean, obviously any any athlete wants to play, any athlete wants to start every game. Um, and I think for some, as someone who for four years, you know, started majority of the games I played, um, you know, was playing 90 minutes, captain, you know, being told this year that you know you have to take a step back uh you know at first obviously it's it's a tough pill to swallow you know i think in terms of leadership um there wasn't really a change there i was still i'm still the same person i am as a leader as a leader regardless of you know whether or not i'm officially a captain or not but i think i pretty much was like there was no real change there um in terms of playing you know at the day the, the, the coaches make a decision and you have to accept it you know i'm not gonna come out there and try and be a disruptive presence um, you know, because I want the team to do well, and when the team's winning, you know, and yes, could there have been moments where I should have played more? Probably, and, I, and you know, I can appreciate when the coaching staff tells me, okay, we probably should have put you in at this moment, we apologize. That's fair, they could recognize their mistakes, you know, right. but end of the day, it, it is what it is. You know, I felt I still had a lot to offer on the field. If, if you don't get given the chance to make a difference, it is what it is, but I'm not going to yeah. complain because the guys that were in the team, they did fantastic. And I want to see them succeed and see all the boys who are playing do well. And we did do well. You know, so there's nothing. I, I there is no. If we had been losing every game and I wasn't playing, then I then I would have been upset. That's, that's a different ball game. For but if sure. if you're winning, then my job is to make sure the guys that are playing on Saturday and Sunday are prepared throughout the week, and they can do their best. And and they did. So I mean, I had. And honestly, it was it was kind of not that it was nice, but like, you know, I've I've had a lot of you know knee injuries over the over the years and little muscle injuries. So it was kind of nice so that you know my body wasn't destroyed because the last yeah. year I tore a meniscus and coming back from that, you know, even in preseason, my knee kind of was, was swelling, was swelling up again. And I was like, Oh crap, here we go. Another two months of just, of just yeah. trying to, you know, take painkillers in the morning to get through the, the pain, you know? So yeah, I know meniscus too. Cause I tore mine when I was 13. So yeah. I, I know the, pain, I know the pain, but I'm um, honestly shout out to you because I really want to ask that question because a lot of times on teams, people, the ego gets in the way, mm -hmm. especially as you get older and, 
like you said, the situation varies. Like if you're winning, okay, cool, then I can accept, you know, playing my role. But like you said, if it's the losing that, okay, what's going on? Mm-hmm. But I really appreciate that because knowing you and knowing how passionate you are about leadership and it was like yourself and Tyrell and Jack, like you talked about, it was really impressive to see you being willing to take a step mm-hmm. back and say, yeah, I know I'm on my last year, yeah, I want to play, but if it means that we go farther, which you guys end up doing, I'll take it. Yeah, I have, I have no, like, I mean, every person wants to play. I would have loved to come on in that you know, playoff game against UFT, you know, just to be, to really be in the, in the, because I'm a player that I love to get stuck into those battles. I'm a very physical, physical player, but you know, right. like I think throughout the time I've been at Nipissing, I've had a lot of injuries and it's caused me to lose some of my physical assets, like my speed and such. And sometimes you have to, you have to recognize that there are other players who are in position to offer more than you are. And, you know, like, and there was even a point in the end of last year where I was like, mentally, I'm just done with this, yeah. you know, I'm just done. And then, you know, but I knew I want to come back at least give it one more crack and at least offer whatever, whatever I could offer. And I think um, in terms of leadership presence um, off the field, on the field, just encouraging guys, pushing guys, that was my role. And I was I was OK with it. You know, I didn't I didn't have a problem being uh, the guy that people look to. And when I was called upon, you know, I came in and, you know, I did the job that I was asked to do. And you can't really you can't really ask for any more. Right. And again, I'm, I'm never going to be the guy that's going to come in and start, you know, trying to disrupt the team and trying to you know, yeah. be upset and be angry and make it visible and shown because it's it, it's hard. It's not easy because, you know, when you don't play, you want to play, you know. So but I'm not going to it's you, you as a leader, you can't react. You can't show visible disappointment. You can't come out. Oh, F this, F that, you know, yeah. uh, you know, you have to kind of just keep it in and keep it together. Everyone else. And then when you go home, you come just find ways to unwind and, and to relax and just take your mind off of it. And I think would really help me this year balance that is finding separation from soccer and, and life, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of athletes struggle with their identity. A yeah. lot of, I think, and I've noticed it with, it's different for me because I played four years. I had, I've had great experiences where I was part of you know, deep playoff runs, you know, scored goals, got the assist, you know? So I, I, I had, you know, I had my time, but a lot of guys that come in their first years, maybe they don't dress, you know? And then second year, you know, they, they dress, but they don't play. And then it takes time to build, you know? We had a lot of guys in, their first year last year that either didn't dress or they were bit part players or they were just bench players that now it's second year they had a year to learn they had a year to grow and then they played a lot of bigger roles and yeah. i think a lot of guys struggle to, re- uh, to realize that your sport is not your per- who you are you know you are not a basketball player you are not a soccer player you are you yeah. you are you know you're tejan i'm devin right you offer so much more to life and to the university and your community than just kicking a ball or throwing a ball around for a couple hours a day, you know? Yeah, and I think I think the beauty about going back to COVID is that it gave people the opportunity to find their identity. I know we've talked about it the last mm-hmm. time we on the podcast, but, like, a lot of times when people come into university, especially when you're 18, 19, or whatever it is, like, all you know is your sport. But I think as you grow and you get older, especially when you go from your case, like, you're 25, so obviously you've been in university for a long time, but the growth aspect of who Devin was from when he first came into now was different. And I can appreciate you talking about that because I've been someone, we've both been people that have always talked about this with our team and other people that are like, yes, you're athletes, but there's more to basketball. There's more to soccer. There's more to hockey. There's more than whatever because at one point it's done. And then when you, you know, stop putting on the cleats or you stop putting on the basketball shoes, what's next? And I think for you talking about that, I really appreciate that. And I hope that it's something that people can take away from this podcast moving forward that even if you're at a young age, start thinking about that now because you don't want to look back and say, oh, I could have done this or, oh, I could have done more. Then you look back into your university experience and like, damn, I didn't really do anything else. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to be a student athlete sometimes because all you know is school, 
your sport, school, your sport, but not realizing that, hey, if you take the time to see what's out there, you might find something else that you might really like. Yeah, and I think a lot of the times, too, when people look back on their sporting careers, I mean, you might not remember each detail about each game, but what you will remember is the relationships you've built throughout your right. time here, you know, right. like some of my best memories are being on road trips and, you know, eating at a restaurant with all the team and just like all those laughs, memories, or, you know, doing stuff with your teammates outside of outside of sports, right? So there's there's so much more to to each person than just their just their sport. And I think a lot of times, you know, you have guys coming in that they're um they're used to I know for soccer it's different for soccer than it is for basketball because you guys are year round, right? Yeah. But a lot of guys for soccer, you know, they're coming in and they're used to playing from the time they've been like 10, 11, 12 years old, soccer, game on Saturday, you play, you practice Monday, Thursday, Friday, you know, maybe have a game on Tuesday, you're playing school soccer, so you're playing soccer every single day, you come here, and training here is not the same as training back in your club team, because you're preparing, right. you're preparing for a match day, every every week you're preparing for a different opponent, so there's different ways that practices vary, so you're not training that same intensity, that same level, it's different, and then that can have a mental effect on you, because you're not training, so you're not getting that physical release, then you're, on it comes to match day, you're not even the squad, or you're not playing. This whole yeah. crisis of you've been a soccer player your whole life, and now you, you have that taken away from you, um, and you just don't know who you are. And a lot of guys kind of decline, and you have to realize that there's so much more to you as a person. You have so much more to offer than just your ability to, you know, hit a puck or you know, sh- uh, shoot a three. There's right. so much more to you as as a human being, and I think that identity crisis is something that we're trying to alleviate in our team and in our players. And I think a lot of guys are realizing that if they can get involved in other things outside of campus, it doesn't have to be like a big thing like new base or you know, strength, just like organizing things with your friends or going out to a movie, just making yeah. strong connections. You'll be able to separate soccer or your sport, sorry, from your from your personal life. And you can make that switch flick so much easier. And so once you graduate and you'll be much easier and more at peace with leaving it behind. Yeah. You know, and I think like like I'm excited to play beer league next summer. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm excited to play rec soccer and, and and have fun and and do that, you know. So Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a new it's a new phase of life and it, I think I've prepared myself well for that over the last couple of years. Yeah. Like what you've been hearing so far? Make sure to follow us on IG at Lakers Locker Room and subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're at it, where you can find clips of all our episodes and video content associated with the podcast. Part two of the Lakers Locker Room starts now. Let's segue into this next topic because we were talking a bit about, but just now, about identity. Um, Both of us have really done stuff outside of our sport. What really bonded us, because we know each other our first year, obviously, when I first came, like we met each other, obviously, at the old, what's at the athletic center. But um, what really bonded to us, where we really got closer, was New Base. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it for you that really wanted you to really be a part of New Base? For those who don't know, because obviously I've seen how hard you work. You're for those who don't know, Devin's our director of community relations at New Base. We've been doing that now for what, going on three years now. Yeah, three, said, years, three, three years, three years now. So, what was it about New Base that really wanted you to get involved? Well, I mean, even um, before New Base was started, when the, the thing with with George Floyd, uh, his murder first happened, and uh, what really shocked me that that there was there, there were protests everywhere, even here in North Bay. And we're talking to friends and, and and even to Tyrell, saying like, you know, we should have like a, a BIPOC or you know, a student group at the university. We don't, and then because it, it could really make a difference. And I always say about uh, Nipissing and North Bay is that there's there's so much potential in this city and in this campus for it to be, you know, a place. First of all, it's beautiful here. Any time of year is beautiful. You know, winter is beautiful, fall is beautiful, summer is beautiful. And you know, a lot of people are getting sick of living in the city, living in Toronto, mm. having to commute, you know, an hour and a half every day by transit, and to come up here where you're 
three, three and a half hours at most away from Toronto, you know, and it's a beautiful place. People, a lot of, but a lot of people here, they, six years ago, they wouldn't feel welcome. So to create a more inclusive environment to help people here and also help the existing people here, when you came in with the idea for New Base, it wasn't just about social justice, it was about uh, improving this place and making it, making it a better place. I always say, you know, leave it, leave the place better than when you found it. Yeah. And I think through New Base, we've really done that. And I was, I was, I was ready to be a part of any capacity um, of New Base. And it was, yeah, it was just, it was just something that just felt felt like a natural, a natural step to, to join and to try and make a make a difference and make a change. What's been your favorite part about being about New Base? I know we have a lot of events that we've done and to conversations, people we met. But what has been your personally your favorite part about being a part of this New Base journey? Um. I don't know. It's a tough question because there's been so much. You know, the, the going to schools, doing that program, um, the shoot for shoot for change game was was fun. Um, and we've just done. You know, just I think I think just seeing it becoming like a more open dialogue, and, and people becoming more because you know before you, you have a topic, you have a discussion about racism or or diversity, and people kind of just go. It's, you know, it's, it's get, like the stiff arm effect. Yeah, yeah, they get like they get scared because everyone's so scared of. of saying the wrong thing yeah, and, exactly. and offending someone and, cancel culture, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm saying and my biggest thing is like I you know like I hate when like the way like a lot of meetings go now like someone makes a mistake and it's like oh I'm so sorry this and that I really want to apologize we didn't know I'm like you know what stop the bull crap because people yeah. make mistakes it happens yeah. how are we going to move on how are we going to change to make sure this doesn't happen again you know like you need to be able to have hard discussions and you know, make you need to make people uncomfortable so you can break that first barrier, and then it becomes a more comfortable conversation. Because it's, you know, they, they always say, you know, if you're if you're a bystander, you're on the side of the oppressor. Right. If you if you if you just don't want to have the conversation because you're uncomfortable, then you're you're perpetuating the system that is holding people down. I think for a long time in this institution and in this community, it's not that people didn't care; they were just scared. Yeah. And now with new base, we're really breaking and changing that culture, and you're seeing participation in the school boards and. Uh, in individual schools with teachers, um, through the police force, so through healthcare, yep. at the university, so this, this community is really changing. So that's definitely been my favorite part of being involved in New Base is seeing like a, a measurable change uh, in the community and in North Bay. I think I think I agree with that too, and I think also to the growth of New Base mm-hmm. from when we first started this back in. And not, even though we got a cyber 2021, it really started back in when, just like you said, George Floyd happened in 2020 and the conversations. Mm-hmm. That's even how I got close to like Tyrell and Samoa and stuff like that. Like, I think the fact that we had the idea of New Base and to see it come to fruition, everything we've said we wanted to do, we've mm-hmm. done it and we're still doing it, right? And I think the fact that how much people have come together in, t- in terms of supporting, how much people we've met, you know, having a relationship with the president and Casey and stuff like that, I think it's been really big. I think the biggest thing we did, especially this year, was, was especially after. It's funny because you guys had that big game winner against Queens. <laughs> Tyrell hit the game winner, but like September 25th was a huge day because that's when we launched the first ever BIPOC bursary. Mm-hmm. And it was fortunate because <laughs> we surprised it and named it the Warren Lindsay bursary, which he had no idea about, which was super exciting. But I think that was the biggest thing is that we, from the moment we started New Base, we said, this is what we want to do. We want to make change. This is how we're going to do it. And we did it. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing with that, with that bursary. You know, you have students who previously might have been a little nervous about coming here or didn't know much about, you know, Nipissing North Bay. They now see, you know, small school, small class size. And, who, you know, so all these good things, you know, great residences, uh, great professors. And now there's a BIPOC bursary. They want me. They want me here. They're even going to give me money to come here as right. a person of color, right. as a brown student, as a black student, you know, as a as a Asian student. Right. You know, they, they want me here. There's these bursaries that are designed for me, you know. So, you know, and 
I always say that like for us, we're kind of blessed that we play the sport because we when we, when you walk around and people say see Lakers basketball, Lakers soccer, you know, it's like oh, he's, they know right away. He goes to Yosei University. He's a varsity athlete, so he must be put together. But for the average student person of color, if someone's walking around, you know, in, in a hoodie and, and, and jeans and some J's, <laughs> the perception is different. Right. It's instantly different. Right. You know, so, and, and people, I think people are cognizant of that. So now having this bursary here, you know, you don't need the, the track suits for people to know that you're a valued member of this university and this community. So I think that's what, that's what New Base's biggest thing is doing is changing the perception of, you know, people of color are viewed in the community and in, in, uh, in Nipissing. Yeah, and I think too that <clears throat> at, at times it, I appreciate the fact that we're all athletes. At times it has been challenging just because mm-hmm. of scheduling conflicts. But I think the biggest thing that has helped for us all being athletes, especially this year's executive team, is that it puts a face or it shows that we can be more than just athletes. Mm-hmm. A lot of times there's a lot of stereotypes in terms of athletes are just this or athletes are just that. They just play the sport, whatever. But I think we've shown that athletes can do more we can do something for a bigger purpose and we can use our platform for what we do to make diff- make change. And I think that's been the most biggest blessing is to see how much f- a change and effect mm-hmm. we can have because I've always said, <clears throat> sorry, I've always said that athletes don't realize how much of a platform they have. I think for me, the biggest thing was seeing the NBA bubble in 2020, seeing how much change that those NBA players made with the jerseys and, you know, all the, the commercials and what Chris Paul and LeBron and James are doing. And that's kind of what, um, you know, started Shoot for Change was that idea. But ultimately, especially like you said, being at a small school and not having, obviously, let's be honest, not the amount of resources, say like a U of T or mm-hmm. all these other schools have, but we've shown that you don't need to have a lot to make a difference. Exactly. And I think like, especially you talk about the NBA, those guys at, at that level, they're making millions. They have the time to do these. And so they should be doing these initiatives and these things all the time. You know, we have school, some of us have part-time jobs, we have our athletic commitments. So the fact that we were able to, you know, you know, you have you have new base, I have my mental health thing, you know, uh, everyone else in new base is doing a lot of stuff as well. But the fact that we can do these other things successfully, uh, you know, surely shows like the true potential of every every student here. And I think that's the, the biggest thing, you know, when once we're gone, I think we won't we won't see the true impact of new base until five years from now when you have this organization being run you know by six seven eight students and you know like they don't have to be athletes it can be anyone but it's yeah. something that it's a it'll be an organization that doesn't need people to keep it going uh it's it's the organization it's it's the people that keep it going it yeah. doesn't keep the people going you know what right. i mean you're gonna have people that want to come in want to be a part you know and it'll be uh it'll be in five years time it'll be cool to see how much new base has evolved as we're both you know i'll, I'll be 30 in five years so i mean it'll be yeah. some well, it's, it's scary but 27 yeah, yeah no, 30 30 is scary but it's coming it'll be it'll really cool to see uh yeah yeah looking coming back and looking you know <laughs> at a new base you know five year or a 10 year anniversary of new base would be something special if we can make it that far hopefully i agree um, you talked about it just now too, but another thing that you've been really passionate about is mental health. Um, last year, you launched the first mental health forum. At the time of this recording, you just did your second annual mental health forum. What is it about the whole conversation about mental health that got you so passionate to want to be involved, to want to create something where people are open, to feeling comfortable opening up and talking about this? Well, my first um, real uh, instant of where I, I recognized that this was a problem with men's mental health is. Um, when I was younger, uh, my mom, she's, she'd been a teacher at Wexford for 20-something years, right? So when I had Shout my... Shout out Wexford. Yeah, so yeah, exactly, Wexford. Go Vikings. <laughs> um, uh, so when I had my PA days, when I was in, like, middle school or, like, right, you know, like elementary school, 
she, I, I, she, there was no one to look after, so she'd take me to school with her. And there was a student who I'd always like, I'd go to every class with him, whatever. He would come watch my soccer games, you know, he'd come take me to movies. Like, he'd like, he was basically like, like an older brother, like, yeah. like a babysitter, but like an older brother. His name is Darius Garda. Um, you know, like the Garda security trucks, they do the cash things. Yeah. So his parents owned that company. Okay. But he was a great guy. So, you know, as he graduated high school and I got older, they kind of fell off contact, you know, but my mom and his family still were in contact, you know, so we still, there was still knowledge there. Yeah. And he became a police officer for the Toronto police, which is not an easy police force to work in because it's so big and Toronto has a lot of city, a lot goes on. So it's a little, a little more complex uh, <laughs> inner workings and being a police officer is not an easy job. But on his first day, he had to shoot somebody. He was put in one of those positions where he had to shoot somebody. And that had, um, a profound effect on him and uh the w wsib so uh, i think it's workplace safety board they did not list post-traumatic stress disorder as a workplace related injury really so ptsd was not listed so he couldn't get coverage for having to go you know see someone to talk about you know because having to shoot someone and having to kill someone even though it's part of your job it is a traumatic experience it's, yeah, taking a life is is unfortunately sometimes it's part of the job of a police officer to protect other people um you know so Darius really struggled with that you know he was engaged and everything and then one morning in I believe it was February February or, or March I can't remember yeah. his date he went down he, he went out to a bar had some drinks and then stepped in Lake Ontario and that was it and he committed suicide so because uh, you know again just couldn't handle it anymore and I think that for me was like I remember my mom. I remember being downstairs, my mom coming and telling me that. And I was, I was, I was. At first, I was sad, obviously, and then I was just angry. As more details came out of what happened, I was so so upset yeah. at every institution that had failed him. And so from that point on, it's when I was really passionate about men's mental health. But as I progressed, I think I was how old was I? Like 17, 18? Late teens, yeah. Yeah, um, you know when that happened. Uh, Sports began to get more serious for me at that time. The soccer, I started playing League One Ontario, which is semi-pro league in 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 Ontario. Yeah, it's kind of like the soccer version of the OHL. Okay, and um, that became everything for me, trying to play and trying to get to the next level. And at that, when you're playing high-level athletics, a lot of times as you're young, you sacrifice your mental health because you don't want to show you're weak. You know, you don't you want to push through pain, but also mental pain. You can't show you're tired. You can't show you're upset because people see that as someone being unstable and being a weakness and being a liability. And if you're a liability, you don't play. If you're weak, you don't play. If you're unstable, you don't play. And at that point, playing is your life. So you put that aside. And even more than putting it aside, you start putting these safe, unhealthy expectations on other people. You know, we say things like, don't be a you know, man up, all this stuff. And just try to, we try to push away everyone else's um, mental health. And I was totally guilty of that. 100% I was, I was a perpetuator of that system. Um, and then coming in Nipissing and, and still doing the same things, uh, not really changing my habits. And then, you know, just at a certain point when I started struggling with my own mental health, it got to a point where I I couldn't manage it anymore and it got out of control and it spiraled into, you know, into different coping mechanisms that were extremely unhealthy. And it took a couple of my friends to say, listen, you need to go talk to somebody or, you know, we're going to drag you in there. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and so then I, you know, eventually went and spoke to the counseling department at, at uh, Nipissing and also... Um, one of my teammates, Matt Samard, who he was here last night for the panel. Uh, for the shout forum. out to Matt, the origin of this podcast. Yeah, you started this podcast. Shout he was out, Matt. Former Lakers captain. Yep. He was a big one in pushing me to do that too and creating a positive environment. And after I started to take care of myself, I was like, okay, I need to stop doing the, you know, kind of doing 
how I've been treating myself, I've been treating other people, like my teammates. And then oh, I became captain. And I remember something that one of uh, the guys who used to be here in Latin told me, because I, I used to be a yeller, just like screaming at guys. Yeah. And he's listening, like, he's like, some guys don't respond to that. And that had never clicked in my head because growing up as an athlete, all my coaches had just, just, da, 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 you know, yeah, like, just berate, just yeah. getting you, getting you. And like, yeah. as someone who's like, you cope up in a Caribbean household, you know, that kind of, you know, Afrocentric environment where it's like, you gotta just take it and you gotta be better. You gotta be a baller, you gotta be a shooter, you gotta be a killer, just go. Doesn't matter what everyone's saying at you, just go, go, go. So I was like, all right, I'm taking that in, not realizing the effect that I didn't like it when it was happening to me. I, I used to, I, I hated when I was getting screamed at, but I was like, you know what, it's making me tougher. Yeah. But a lot of these guys, it wasn't making them tougher, it was negatively affecting them, and Breaking I didn't down, want, yeah. and I was ignoring that. So I had to change my approach there, and then I realized that, okay, like, if I'm gonna make a tangible difference, I need to actually take it further than just recognizing it in myself. You know, if I don't help other people in the long term, I won't be helping myself because I'll fall back into my old habits if I don't see a greater change. So, and then COVID happened because I was like, you know, uh, COVID was happening. And I remember going and talking to Casey. I'm like, man, so many of my friends are now struggling in isolation. And as men, they feel like they have nowhere to talk to. They've lost that outlet uh, for sports. They've lost all that. So like when I want to start something, he's like, let's do it then. And then we, uh, we had the idea for this initiative. He put me in contact with some people. Um, that worked in SDS, and we just kind of started thinking of names and trying to progress it, and we, we started out just doing you know simple graphics and little video series, and then last year we had our first um, Mental Strength. That's the name of the initiative, Forum for Men's Mental Health, and it was it was amazing, and the turnout was amazing. Um, the message got across. We just did it again last night. Again, same thing. The message got across really well, some good speakers, and I think we're really starting to, really starting to see a change in all, in, in just everyday men and uh, male athletes and male identified people that mental health matters and as a man you sh- you should have just as much as a right as anyone else to take care of your mental health and do what you need to do you know if you need to take a mental health day it's the same as saying you're sick you can't come into work or can't go to class you just need a day for yourself because if you're not right up here you're not going to be right everywhere else and it's going to just affect you and then you know as I, as I said unfortunately a lot of people lose their lives and, yeah. I, and I said last night too um, uh the culture of uh, the environment uh, around men's mental health is a product of the past. Um, you know, there's a very, uh, there's a quote that I love that says, uh, I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. And I think the environment around men's mental health is a product of the past. So I want it to, and I don't want us to now make the environment surrounding it a product of the now, product of the present, so that men who are struggling have a future. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if we, if we, we again, have those hard discussions, really make those challenging uh, get out of our comfort zones and try and really get everyone comfortable and open with doing it and again I think in five ten years I won't need to have a forum every year for this because men will be talking they'll be sitting down in their rooms you know uh, with their friends in their restrooms just talking about their right. how they feel their emotions you know and their friends will be saying stuff like oh don't be a, you know just man up their friends will be saying let's just go go out and drink and get drunk and then do something stupid and end up hurting ourselves even more there'll be healthy coping mechanisms They'll actually be addressing and building conversations, and you have it with that with a healthier population who's easier, who's able to achieve uh, so many great things because they're stable up here, and then they're stable in here, you know. So hopefully, in, in five years, again, it, it it progresses. Yeah, for me personally, like <laughs> when it came to mental health, it was something that I never really thought about because. You know, when you're younger, you're obviously one of those people that think, oh, it can't happen to me. Like you hear a lot of stuff, not just about mental health, but in general, thinking, oh, this can't happen to me. Yep. It was crazy because there were two incidents this summer where, like, I saw both sides to it. The first one was someone that I kind of, but not exactly, but someone that I'd known 
I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna describe it, but someone that I know that I kind of been out of touch with for a bit, recently reached out to me at, early in the summer, was just saying, hey, I need help with something, and then just talking about some stuff, and then they were saying that, hey, like, I'm I'm actually in a good place right now because recently, like, I was trying to commit suicide, mm-hmm. and I was like, and it just really made me see like, have we been that out of touch? And it wasn't even that long, but like, it makes you realize like. When you have friends or people that you haven't seen in a long time, cause a lot of times people don't check up on each other. And that's one thing that kind of annoys me sometimes in general, just because I'm the type of friend that always likes to check up on people. So when it's not reciprocated, it's really upsetting. But it really made me show to made me realize that you really gotta check up on people. Even if you haven't seen them in a while or you guys had a friend or whatever reason things just faded away, just sending a quick text saying, Hey, I I know we haven't talked about but hey, how are you doing? Or hmm. or someone posts something well on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever, say, Hey, congratulations, how are you doing? Yeah, and that's and that's it. Like it doesn't have to be you don't have to sit down in a room and talk for an hour about it, but you have to it's it's about showing compassion and caring. And I, I find in this day and age we have a lot of selfish people. A lot of people who try and put themselves first and you know, like if you you need to get past that. I mean, the best way to do it is, is by caring and showing you care. And again, you don't have to go buy someone, you know, spend, you know, 200 bucks on a gift. It's that, but just, hey, how you doing today? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, okay. Do you want to hang out later? Sure. No? Okay. Just look, small conversations. Yeah. And I know people sometimes, they're so wrapped up in their own lives, they lose track of other people, but you really need to kind of evaluate because you only have 24 hours in a day. You know, but you're working for a certain amount, you're sleeping for a certain amount, at least limited time. If, if you don't take care of yourself, and take care of other people, you lose an, a, an essentially human part of us, which is that social compassionate uh, side of us, you know, and the best way you take care of yourself is to, you know, take care of other people. It's yeah. fulfilling, it's, 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 it's work that'll never not feel rewarding. You help someone out, you feel better, you know? And, and I love that, I love when, you know, someone t- comes to me and says, you know, Dev, thank you for doing this, or thank you for listening to me this one time, you really helped, right. really made a difference, you know? And like, again, I don't think either of us get into the, do, doing what we do for awards and recognition, you know, the things that, you know, if I had not won, you know, OUA awards, Dave Marshall awards, U Sports yeah. awards, I could have gone away. That stuff doesn't matter. Right. What I will remember is, you know, a teammate coming to me and saying, I said, man, thanks for being there when this happened, or thanks for just taking the time listening to me, you know, you really helped me. And then seeing that teammate or that friend help someone else. And then that other person thanking that teammate. You know, it's like a butterfly flag, you know, flap your wings, you know, and the ripples go outwards. And you you create a huge change. So that change is is worth more than than any any award or any any prize on, on this planet. Yeah, and I was actually about to ask you about about it. Be kind of answered, but let's just finish it off before we get into the the fun part, anyways. Mm-hmm. But the legacy aspect. You know, we've both been blessed with winning multiple awards. Like you won, you just won a U Sports Award. I'm trying to get to that. You yeah. beat me to it. <laughs> we talked about it, but honestly, like last year, Dave Marshall Award. You know, Student Main Difference Award, Mental Health Award. You got an OUA award. Now you got a U Sports award. You just said it, which I appreciate. And I'm the same way. The awards, we didn't get into the stuff for the awards. And I've always said that. I think that's why all the stuff that we do with each other and New Base has prospered because we got into this for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And we didn't care about the recognition. We didn't care about, I mean, the recognition is nice. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's yeah. be honest. It, yeah, it's right. nice. It, it is, is nice. nice. Yeah. Let's, let's keep it a bean. But, uh, but the lives that we can affect and how we can bring people together, that was the most important thing. Now that you're graduating this year, and obviously you're in teachers' college, and you're about to go into a new chapter where you're really about to help inspire the next generation, what do you want your legacy to be from leaving your time here at Nipissing? I mean, as as funny as it sounds, I don't really want my legacy to be mainly soccer. I want it to be everything else. You know, 
I would like to be remembered as a good athlete, you know, and and as as a good player, but more more so a good person who, who kind of did a lot for other people, you know. Because again, like I said, like I I remember I can remember so many conversations, you know, when I was in my first year with with Matt, um, talking to him, and then him have him having because I really, I say with, without without Matt, um, there would have been no mental strength, there would have been no no Devin Dunath who he is today. Right. He was someone I really looked up to, and I still look up to to this day. You know, a really good friend. Um, yeah. But I, I think in terms of legacy, just someone that, that made a difference, you know, like, and and I think like, you know, like I want my first years now when they're in their fifth year to look back and be like, man, like remember Devin, like he really helped us out this time or he really did this, you know, and like yeah. them telling their first years about me. And so like, there's kind of that legacy of like, and that legacy, like my name or whatever it, it, it is, um, kind of inspires people to do the same things that I was doing. You know, I want someone else to take over mental strength. I want someone else to, you know, help run the point people thing. Um, it's like a position in the base. And the, yeah, and same thing, community outreach, you know? Yeah. And I think the point people are, is, is very important and I want that to keep going. So if, if I can inspire someone to, like, you know, really take care of themselves and then just start taking care of other people. And when you, once you feel that reward coming back in and taking care of someone else and seeing them thrive, that feeling is, it's irreplicable. It's irreplaceable. Right. You can't make that feeling. You can't have pride when you see, like, you know, when I, I have a teammate right now. He's a first year, and I, he's someone that I really think can make a make a difference. And I'm I'm working with him on trying to separate identity and, and sport, and because he's a really good person, and I think he can make a huge change. Um, I'm not gonna call, I'm not gonna call him out because I don't want to put him on the spot. Um, yeah. But he uh, he's someone that I, I see work uh, working with him is very rewarding for me, and I can see him doing the same thing. And um, in terms of legacy, um, I want that banner, man. I'm not gonna lie. I, I want that banner. Which one? Which one? Uh, the, the sports one. Oh, me too. I want. I want. I want yo, that banner. Too, yo. You know what I mean? I like, promise you, I've been telling people that because I have the the um, anti-racism banner. Because someone asked you yo, if you want to use sports award, you get. It. I'm like, yes, I want the. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like, want the banner, like I'm not. Yo. I'm not someone that like I get really uncomfortable when someone's like giving me awards and like yeah. presentations. Like I get kind of. I'm like, Ugh, you know, like it's like we're holding like a but plaque. A banner? Oh, a plaque and a, and a and an award. So like you know, like that's just kind of you know. And everyone's like, oh yeah, good job, well done, congratulations. Yeah. I'm like okay, yeah, like cool, but a banner, man. Like I work, mm. I work my butt off, and a banner Give me that would banner. be cool. And I remember, like, I, like, and I like, as as good as Nipissing is, you know, like sometimes they don't, they tend to just yeah, okay, yeah, they did this good job, that's it, and that kind of gloss over your achievements. Nah, give me that damn and, they, and they don't know everything that's gone into it, you know. So and like you worked really hard, and like I want that banner. <laughs> like I want, I want that, I want that banner. Look at the mic. Like, I want that banner. Because it it would it would no it would it worked hard, and it's a major U Sports award. Like that deserves some recognition, and I think in terms of legacy, you know, I go in the gym in five years, come back for homecoming, that's what I'm saying. and I see the banner with me up there. That's I'm what I'm like, saying. That's 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 legacy. That's what I'm that's saying. That's legacy. So I want that banner. That's me. Hey, I'm with I you, want bro. that banner. <laughs> you heard it here, man. You hear it. people listening to the um, audio version, YouTube version. My man wants his banner. I want my banner. And by the grace of God, when I win U Sports Ken Shields Award, I want he my banner, banner too. too. I want my banner too. <laughs> And but I don't want, and I don't want it to be my headshot. I want it to be an actual action mm, picture. Don't use my headshot. Tell again. yo man. Don't use my headshot. Come again. on, man. For that real. was funny. That, that was, was funny. funny. <laughs> that was funny. But now, nah, Devin, man, like I said, this is the first in-person podcast in two years, man. This is, man. I we, know, and also, I gotta say, the doc, doc said that I get a banner, so I'm, I'm holding everyone exactly, to watch this that. Exactly. You guys said I'm getting a banner, so. Hey, this is the Lakers locker room, man. Listen, what what happens on here, man? It happens, man. So banner season. Exactly. But for real, Devin, this like I said, this is the first in-person podcast in two years, man. This has been so much fun. Like mm -hmm. this beautiful student center, people watching YouTube version. We got shout out to Nusu for the equipment, man. Like this is top notch level, man. 
but this is honestly why I took over this podcast, and this is really why I wanted to push it forward because I wanted a conversation like these, and I really wanted you to be the first person to come back in terms of um, an in-person podcast and really get this thing going again. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for, for being open as always and just sharing your stories and just no congratulations on the award, man. I told you via text, man, but seriously, man, I was so happy for you when I saw that, man. I'm like, yo, you deserve that crap. For yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was shocked because they 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 were doing they were announcing at the U Sports banquet for soccer. Um, and that was in Kamloops, so they were they're they're a few hours behind us. So uh, I found out at like 11 p.m. at night. I was sitting on the couch, and my coach called me. He's like, "That's what you know. Congratulations, you won this award." And I was at I was at uh, Faith's house, my girlfriend, and I was like, "Huh?" Yeah, I was at I was at Faith's house, and um, like she she wasn't even she wasn't home. She was like she went to the store to get some food. Yeah, and I was just sitting there. I was like, "Oh, like, oh my god!" <laughs> like, I was just, like, "No, I was like." Yeah, I was just like I was just like I was like I because like the OUA award I was like I I knew I was nominated for the OUA award and like yeah and I found out that I won I was like yeah it's cool like, you know it's OUA yeah, yeah me too yeah and yeah, then yeah and, but U Sports is like a whole that's like a whole an, that's a whole a, different beast man different level it's a national level that's and, a whole different beast man. and the thing is too even with the award like the community service award I almost feel guilty for winning it because there's so many other student athletes that are doing amazing things nah, man. and I feel like it's not you shouldn't prioritize one over the other because no. everyone else there is doing amazing things so I think everyone everyone in terms of what deserves recognition and what they're doing, it shouldn't be prioritized. But at the same time, it is nice to win, <laughs> you know? So No, you earned that, man. Like I said, man, congratulations, bro. You deserved it, man. Like, how much awards on your resume? About four or five? Something like that. Something yeah. like that, man. <laughs> like, like that. who's counting? But hey, yeah. man, like I said, we didn't do it for the awards. I'm so proud mm-hmm. of you, man. Like I said, like we said, give my man his banner. Give my man his banner, bro. We're going to get it happen. But like I said... Thank you for the opportunity to talk, man. It was fun. We're getting to the fun part of this podcast now. So the last time you came on here two years ago, we did the quick hitters. We switching up a bit. Uh-huh. So we okay. both from Scarborough. Like I said, you know, we both grew up on the east side. He went to Wexford. I went to two high schools. I went to Cedar Bray and Pope. So I claim Cedar Bray, Pope. Cedar Bray is my home high school. I claim Pope. Shout out to Pope. Right at Markham. Sh- and go Panthers. Markham and Lawrence there. So we're going to see how much you really know Scarborough, okay? So I got about eight questions here. I haven't, I haven't lived at a home in two years, but I should be good. So let, good. let's see how much you really know okay. Scarborough. People listening and the YouTube version. I got eight questions on here. Let's say if you get, at least get five of them right. You yeah. and Scar, we will claim let's you. Go eight, if you let's don't, go eight for eight. Eight for eight. All right. I didn't make this easy. You All should right. get some, but let's see what you got. Okay, you ready? Okay. Let's go. Let's right. go. What's the first one? Question number one. You should know this. Hopefully you know this one. In what year did Scarborough officially become a part of Toronto? A, 2000. B, 1994. C, 1998. Or D, 1996? That's a, that's a, that's a historical question. Um, is it 96? 98. 98? 98. Oh, 98. <laughs> You're 0 for 1, man. No, no, no. That's a historical question. That's not, a, that's not like a, a, a for the streets question. Okay, but this one you should get. If you don't get this one, because there's so many options. I, You're not a Scarborough man. Name three bus routes that go to Scarborough Town Center. Okay, the 9. Okay, the Bellamy. Si- the 16, McCowan. Yep. And isn't like the 144? The one, the one, um, no, what's the, what's the rocket? 199. Okay. Yeah, the 199. Well, they named it now, but yeah. Yeah. How about to say, there's like 131, 133, 169. Because there's one, there's one I would take, because I would take the, I would take the, and the, and the RT, the Scarborough RT, the RT that used to go from Kennedy Station to Scarborough Town Center. It still goes, but like, I know there's, there is some stuff right now, but, um. Because I used, I used to, I used to take the 54, like from, going back from high school, I used to take the 54 to, um, not Berlin, like Lawrence, Lawrence RT Station. Yeah. I take the RT to STC. Yeah. 
Nah, I took. And then the 22s Tuesday at the movie theater. There's so many bus routes I took at that place, man. My original one where I first grew up was 134. That was the original one. 134, yeah. Because Proke, I lived near um the Chinese Cultural Center. Though yeah, the 199. That's that's the Red Rocket that goes like Finch. Yeah, so 134 slash 132. I know, I know my, I know my Scarborough. All right, all right. Question number three: The weekend is known for growing up in Scarborough. He's also known for dropping out of high school at age 17. Which Scarborough High School did he drop out of? A. Cedarbrake Collegiate. B. West Hill Collegiate. C. Winston Churchill. Or D. David and Mary Thompson. Uh, what are the options again? So Cedarbrake Collegiate, yeah. West Hill Collegiate, Winston Churchill, or David and Mary Thompson. Wasn't it West Hill? Yep, yeah, you it got West it. Hill, yeah. It was West Hill. It went to Birchmount, then went to West Hill and dropped yeah. out of West Hill. So we, you're two for three so far. Okay, yeah. not bad. Okay. Another high school question. Name three Scarborough high schools named after a former prime minister. After a former prime minister? Name three. Prime Minister of Canada? Yes. So not Winston Churchill. Um, isn't there Lester B. Pearson? Yes. Malvern. Yep. Um, yep. Three Scarborough named after, named after a former prime minister. Lester B. Pearson. And like in Scarborough. Yes. I can like, I give you like uh, four Wilf- or five. Wilfred Laurier. Yep. That's, so, isn't that Satec now though? No, so we're for Lori. No, that's at um, Morningside. Yeah, and uh, oh yeah, so we're for Lori. And um, Johnny McDonald. McDonald. There you go. Yeah, yeah because it said like Robert Borden, Robert which, Borden, which yeah. cut clothes and like Moet, sorry, over Moet. Yeah, Moet. I mean, John Diefenmaker is, is, is a middle school that's actually right across my house. Yeah. But it's not a high school. No, it's not a high school. So, yeah. Okay, so right now you're, what is that, three for four? Three for four. Okay, here's another high school question. Scarborough is home to one of seven self-learning schools in Canada. Which one is it? A. Pope John Paul II or St. John Paul II. Uh-huh. B. Mary Ward. C. Woburn. Or D. It's Mary Ward. It's Mary Ward. It's Mary Ward. As soon as you said, I knew it was Mary Ward. There you go. For four for five. Just play soccer there all the time. All right. Because they got a nice turf field there. Yep. Yeah. Question number six. I really want to see if you can get this one. In Drake's hit song, Energy, Drake references, references a Scarborough street name in one of his verses. What was the name of that street? You're not giving me options? Yeah, I can play. I can play the track. I can pause it for you. Yeah, play the play the, play I'll the play, track. I'll play it up to you. I'll play it up for you. I need to, I need to hear the song. Yeah, before I, 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 I'll, I'll, before I make a. Hopefully. All right, here we go. Kennedy Road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you go to Habibis, Habibis was there. That's where the sushi lounge was. That's okay. what it was. That's Kennedy Road. Okay, so you got one row. You're good. Okay, I don't know if I can get this one, but let's see. Question number seven. Which famous rapper played for the CBL Scarborough Shooting Stars this past summer? J. Cole. Okay, you got it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you follow basketball like that, but okay, you got it. All right, so we, you, you passed the test. You claimed Scarborough, but we got one final question. It's a true or false question. True or false? The CN Tower opened before the Toronto Zoo. False. Gosh, you know, you're right. It's right. So I told right. you, seven for eight. The, the Toronto the, Zoo opened 1974. CN Tower opened 1976. Wow. Oh, it's a lot closer than I thought it was. I thought the CN Tower opened. Okay, man. Seven for eight, man. You, you're hey, Scarborough. I told you. Come on. Some, some respect. Yes, sir, man. Put some respect. Scarborough. Stand hey. up. But Devin, man, nah, man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. This is really fun, bro. Yeah, no, it's good. And I think doing this, having the YouTube page going and the actual video stuff, and that will be much better than just that's the Zoom stuff, you know? So get I know. Us, get us back in person, getting some more guests out here, you know, and hopefully, hopefully I can be on it, you know, 
one more time before I, before I graduate. No doubt, no doubt. And a senior, a senior special with me, me, Tyrell, and Jack. Hey, man. Man, with that said, man, that is a wrap on a new, new version of the Lakers locker room in person. We are back, man. Thank you so much, my guy Devin Dunath. You can watch the video versions interview on YouTube and listen to the full interview on all podcast streaming platforms. Thanks, Devin. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me.